Today we've got a guest speaker, uh, Brett Hollis, the Brett Hollis. Uh, he's been here several times, so um, <clears throat> what we'd like to do at, on the uh, giving boxes throughout the building, there's envelopes nearby. We want to be generous uh, for sure for the gift that God has brought to us through Brett, and a way of doing that tangibly is to be generous in your giving. So before you leave this morning, make sure uh, you, know, you plug in with that opportunity. So at this time, let's give a warm welcome to Brett as he comes. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Bob. Thank you, everybody. Good morning. <clears throat> Don't you love those kids? You know what I, it doesn't matter what church you go to or school program, there's always three that have memorized it and do it exactly. And then the others are like, what are we doing? I, uh, <laughs> and you know, I think would be a fun test. I think it would be neat if every parent, as they came in the door, had their blood pressure tested before before the program, and then again during it, and just see if there's any changes in your system at all. My, uh, I, I don't remember this, of course, but my mom loved to tell me. My first program I was ever in, I was, I was five years old, and, and uh, she was quite nervous, and the, all the kids, just like this, we were up on the platform. And, of course, I didn't know anything I was supposed to do. But the moment we started singing, my mom said, I just thought it was a good idea, I guess, to grab my shirt and just pull it right over my head and just remain that way for the rest of the song. And my poor dad. My mom used to tell me when I got older, I, this, I, she said, your dad really did not like to go out in public with you. <laughs> <laughs> because he never knew what you were going to say. And he just, there were so many times he just wanted to die. And the interesting thing is, uh, I actually think it's still that way to today. I, I think he just doesn't like to be in public with me that often. Together in our homes, I think he's good. But go out in the public, I think he's always just a bit, bit nervous. Thank you, Lees, for your hospitality. It is so great to be here again. It's so great to see a bunch of you that I've been meeting over the last few years of coming here. I got to hang out with the young adults on Tuesday and go to Culver's. That was awesome. And it's fun to meet new people, new to me at least, every time I come. And I just want you to know something. Um, I automatically assume you are related to Pastor Bob until you tell me different. So... <laughs> I've just learned over the years, you must be a daughter, a son, son-in-law, daughter-in-law, cousin, who knows. But all of you, it's, it's, it's great to be here. And I'm actually very thankful I'm, I'm here. I was in an accident last night. Um, don't, not a car accident. I had uh, ironed my clothes uh, to, to, well, I wanted to impress you. And so I had finished ironing my clothes. I unplugged the iron. Do any of you have those irons that... You just push a button on the back, and then the cord goes, okay. I have never seen anything like this before, but I, this cord was plugged in over there. I pushed the button. 
All I, I mean, I'm moving my head trying to find like wall, ceiling, leg, ironing board, and whack, it hit me right in the temple to the point where I, you know, I'm like, I'm seeing stars. And I'm like, what? And I immediately ran to the bathroom like, am I going to have a scar for tomorrow? You know, like, how am I going to explain this? You know, it was so powerful. It was like a scene off of Indiana Jones with the whip or something. I thought, you know what? Forget a gun or a bat. I'm going to use this for home defense when I get. But then I got the thing. Yeah, but I'd have to hand it to them, you know, and then push the cord or something. But. I don't know. So I don't, I don't think I have a bruise, but there, it felt lumpy yesterday when I went to bed. So glad to be here with you. Hey, I want to read a passage of scripture together, and then I would like to lead us in prayer. The passage is in Hebrews eleven thirty-two. If Hebrews is a, is an incredible book. Have you ever wondered how the Old Testament connects to the New Testament? Hebrews is your book. I mean, read the book of Hebrews, and it's going to explain the old ceremonies, the sacrifices, all that. It's going to connect it to Jesus and to uh, the New Testament here. So Hebrews is in the New Testament, kind of toward the end. It's uh, chapter 11 we're going to be at today. Verse 32 is where we're going to start. We're just going to go verse 32 through 38. And uh, up to this point the author has been covering all of these great men and women of God who have done great things. And if this is often referred to as the hall of faith or the faith chapter in the Bible, because it just gives examples of all of these people and things they had in common. And the biggest thing they had in common was they all had faith. Well, in verse 32, he gets down to this point, and, and this is what's going to lead us into our main point today, but starting at verse 32, it says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Okay, I want you to look at verse 34 again real carefully, just down a little ways. Whose weakness was turned to strength and, whose power, and who became powerful in battle. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your powerful word. I thank you for your promises. I thank you for your love. Thank you that you have purpose in our life, that you didn't just create us. You create us with purpose in mind. Lord, let that purpose come out today. Help me to be a voice for you, Lord, that I can just echo your heart here today. Father, we know we have weaknesses. We ask that you turn our weaknesses into strengths. God, I just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Their weaknesses were turned into strength. Interesting. We all have weaknesses. Maybe you've been in a job interview where they asked you, well, tell me some of your weaknesses and tell me some of your strengths. And maybe, maybe the list is super easy for you and maybe it's a little difficult, but you always can come up with probably a strength that you have and maybe even more weaknesses. 
You know, I grew up in a family, excuse me, I grew up in a family where my dad's side of the family could build anything. My, my dad, my grandfather was a carpenter. He had a cabinet building shop and he also built houses. So my dad and all my uncles grew up building houses with my grandpa and, and building cabinets. That passed over this generation, or at least me, in a huge way. Like, in fact, I will tell you this. I haven't told a lot of people this, but I worked for my parents, helping them build one of their houses. That is the only job I've ever been fired from to this day. Okay, I'm not making that up. I was let go by my parents. I am not good at it. Nor do I like it. I, I, I thought, well, maybe I'd like it, and you know, but no, I'm, I'm, t- I can't even build a gingerbread house. You know what I mean? I'm that deficient when it comes to working with my hands, and it's frustrating. You know, let me ask you this: How many here in this room enjoy going to Home Depot? How many enjoy going? Okay, you like it? Okay. For my uncles and my dad and friends of mine, it is like going to a theme park. <laughs> they like salivate. On the way there, like, oh, I can't wait, I can't wait. If you ever run into me at Home Depot, I can pretty much guarantee I'm going to be in a bad mood. Because the only reason I'm at Home Depot is because something broke at my house that I don't know how to fix, and I have to walk around acting like I know what I'm doing and pretending, oh, I need this tool and, you know, acting all cool when in the inside, I am frustrated. I'm angry. You know, I learned this about me. My lack of expertise in some areas makes me angry because I feel stupid. In my family, my dad could fix anything. When my kids were little, this really happened. When they were little, my son had, his, one of his toys had broken. And he says, my toy's broken. And he walked over right past me and went to my wife. <laughs> and my manliness just was like, what just happened? And I'm like, Brady, I'm right here. I, I know. And he hands it to Kim. I was like, man, and when my wife and I, Kim, when we got married at our wedding shower, they gave her a toolbox. I don't even remember what they gave me, like, like cooking mittens or something. I don't know. But I was frustrated because in my family and in my life, you, that was kind of the man thing to do. You knew how to fix things. And I was like, I know how to break things. That's... And then on my mom's side of the family, all the men knew how to build and work on cars. And when I say, I mean, every one of my uncles had built a hot rod. Every one of them knew how to work on cars. Every one of them so good. In fact, I have a cousin that is so good at working on cars that he has built hot rods for, your, for some pretty high up, high end companies. In fact, he personally has worked, he went to Jay Leno's garage and all, he's just kind of that scale. He uh, built a Ferrari, a vintage Ferrari, just using its frame. He created, designed, and built the body of it, the metal of it, took it to a car show in Vegas, 
and was docked points. It was a competition. He was docked points because this Ferrari was better than the original. This is the family I grew up in. I love to drive. I love cars. I love hot rods. I don't know how to work on them. I am that guy. The, the check engine light comes on. I get out. I open the hood. It's there. I do not know what to do. And my brother's good at cars, every, my cousins, and then there's Brett. And so growing up in this family, I felt like I wasn't good at anything. Now, mind you, my family never made me feel that way. My, I've always had a great supportive family. I've always had parents that were behind me all the way and all this. And, but in my mind, it was such a weakness that I just can't even compare I can't, I, I wish I could do these things that everyone else seems like they could do. I can't. And, and it was bad because then, like, I was in the same math class that my brother and two, I call genius uncles took, same teacher. And I was there, and about three months into it, the teacher leans over my desk and he says, Are you sure you're a Hollis? I was so bad at math. I'm terrible at math to this day. You know, story problems? Hated story problems. I gave the same answer on every test. I did. I wrote yes. Yes, this is a problem. I have no idea how to solve your problem. All that to say... Weaknesses sometimes, instead of bringing the best out of us, bring the worst out of us. Because we feel like all we can see is our weaknesses. I spent a lot of my life only seeing my weaknesses and not seeing my strengths. Because I didn't feel like I had strengths because I was comparing myself to all these other guys. And there, there is something in this passage here. When the author says, whose weakness was turned to strength, that I want you to know today that God can take your weakness and he can turn it into a strength. God has the ability to take our circumstances and turn them into not problems, but possibilities. He has the ability to take situations that we're in that we don't like and turn them into opportunities. God has the ability to take our mess and make it our message. He has the ability to take something weak. God loves using the weak. Did you know this is a theme all through scripture? He chose the weak things to shame the wise. This is the God we serve. We serve a God that loves using the weak. So, so if you're ever sitting here and you're like, man, I don't think I could ever be used by God. I'm not good at this. I'm, no, today I pray that your mind changes on that. I, you know, he listed a bunch of people in here, and I'm, I'm going to have us look at one of them. His name is Gideon. If you want to leave your finger there at Hebrews, but go to Judges. If you want to go to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Judges is in the Old Testament. Judges chapter 6. 
Let's start with verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Malachites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian was so impoverished, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the, and from the hand of all your impress, oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave their land, gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord, your God, Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. Verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abrizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Okay, pay attention. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Think about this. The Midianites have done such damage to the Israelites' psyche with coming in and destroying their fields and attacking them on a regular basis that this guy named Gideon is in the threshing floor, or in the wine press, threshing out wheat to hide from these enemies. He's got to do this quietly. He's got he's to be secretive about this because he doesn't want them coming in and finding him. All of a sudden, an angel Lord shows up. And what does he say to Gideon? His greeting is, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That is not how Gideon viewed himself. Gideon said to him, wait wait a minute. I come from the weakest clan and, and I am the least of that clan. So how is it possible you are referring to me as mighty warrior? And I want you to understand something about that title. He was given that title before he ever did anything. He was given that title before he ever went to battle. The response, if you remember, is Gideon saying, hey, if the Lord is with us, really, seriously, why are we going through all this? You ever done that? Okay. Oh, sure. Yeah, if you're really with me, why does my life look like this? 
if you're really with me, how come never, any, nothing ever seems to work out for me? If you're really with me, why? And so Gideon kind of skips onto this, wait a minute, if you're really with us, why are we going through all this? And he just skips on, the, the angel Lord just skips on and, and he says, hey, he says, go in the strength you have. You know what's interesting about that? He says, go find strength that you don't have. He doesn't say that. He says, go in the strength you have. Do you know in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 6, when Paul talks about the armor of God, he talks about stand firm in the Lord. Not standing firm in your own strength, not standing firm in your own abilities, stand firm in the Lord. And what happens is we view ourselves one way and we say, well, no, I'm weak. I'm not good at anything. And let me tell you, I spent a long time, and even to this day, I have to remind myself, I have to, I've gone through struggles where I just don't feel like I'm good at anything. And, and that can be a real tough thing to walk through because if you spend your life comparing with other people, then you're never going to find the greatness that God has within you. And, and he's like, no, I, what do you mean, mighty warrior? I, I am the least of these. I'm le-. And, and the Lord's response to him through the angel was, I will be with you, and you will defeat all these. Go in the strength you have. You have to ask yourself, what do I have? Remember when, remember when Jesus was on the hillside with the disciples, and then there were 5,000 men and more women and children, probably 15,000 people, and they're like, Jesus, you better send them away to get something to eat because it's getting dark. And Jesus says, well, you, you feed them. Me? What? What do you have? Well, a few loaves of bread, a couple of fish. Give me what you have. Moses, what's that in your hand? It's a staff. Give me what you have. Uh, Gideon, go in the strength that you have. But I'm just going the strength that you have. And when you go in the strength that you have, what you learn is that strength rises up and just kind of, just like the fish and the bread, it just keeps multiplying. It keeps producing and it keeps bubbling up inside of you. But you got to go in the strength that you have. And you have to see yourself the way God sees you. That's our biggest struggle. We see ourselves the way we see ourselves. I saw myself in comparison to my dad, my uncles, my cousins, and I felt like nothing. I felt like I just didn't add up. Now, they never felt that way. I had a great family. They never felt that way. But we get this mindset. And the mindset we need is Christ's mindset. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us. And God saw Gideon as a mighty warrior before he ever went to battle. He declared him a mighty warrior before he ever went to battle. The story continues. I, I'm not going to read it, but it's interesting because if you get back into like chapter seven, when he's going to now go fight this other army, he starts off with 32,000 soldiers. That's not bad. That's a pretty good army. 32,000. They get out there, they're heading out there and God's like, mm, you know what? That's too many. Send away those who are afraid, which I, I don't know why. I just love that part. It's like, Oh, yeah, I'm going back. Thanks. Thanks, anyhow. And 20, 22,000 of them left. <laughs> what an army. Hey, good luck. God bless you. 22,000 leave. Then he says, okay, yeah, you still have too many. You still have too many. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you even whittle it down a little bit more. God ended up bringing it down to 300 men. Can you imagine Gideon? He already struggles with his, his self-worth. He already feels like his clan is the least, and he is the least of the least clan. He started off with 32,000 soldiers. He's down to 300, and they haven't even started fighting yet. And God says, perfect. Now you're ready. What? What are you doing to me? But did you know the story goes that he had great victory with 300 soldiers? Why? Because God loves to work with the underdog. God loves, he loves to use the weakness. And why? Because when God uses the weak, his strength is expressed and he gets all the glory. And we are reminded again and again of who we depend on. It's interesting when we think of Gideon and we think of how God can turn a weakness into a strength. I have an uncle. My uncle is a triple amputee. He has no legs and no left arm. And while he's not my blood relative, my aunt took his hand in marriage because that's all he had. But she... uh... (laughs) Look, there's something else you need to know about my, my family... My dad and all my uncles, six foot six. I am the little guy. I was so excited to have an uncle I was finally taller than. You know what I mean? It was like. But this uncle of mine, before you get offended, let me just tell you some things about this uncle. My uncle is probably the happiest guy I know. He's one of the funniest guys I know. In fact, he and I have traveled around and done several comedy shows together. And we call the, the stand-up sit-down comedy show. He sits. Anyhow, this uncle of mine, he, okay, I'll give you a little idea about him. He enjoys, I'm not making this up, he enjoys wheeling in to shoe stores. Getting some ideas? (laughs) He likes to look at the shoes and just listen to the employees as they argue who's going to help him. He is literally overheard, I'm not going to help. He has no feet. You go help him. This uncle of mine, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Bear Country USA. It's in South Dakota. It's a, it's a zoo that's just bears, and there's two routes you can take. You can either be in your vehicle and drive this path uh, through this big fenced-in area, and there's bears that walk freely among your vehicles, or you can take a walking path on the other side of this tall fence, and you go up to the top of this hill, and you can look at all the bears walking around. Well, one thing you need to know about my uncle is anytime he's anywhere, people stare. But kids really stare. Like, people stare, but kids, are they're not ashamed of staring. They're just locked in like, what is this? I mean, they don't even know what to do with them. He likes to take advantage of these moments. He, 
There was a father that had like a seven-year-old boy and a five-year-old boy with him at the top of the hill. They're looking at all the bears. And my uncle's brother was wheeling my uncle to the top of the hill, and they got to the top, and the boys forgot all about the bears and started staring at my uncle. It was at this moment that my uncle just went, he started letting his chin quiver and he acted like he was going to cry. And he says to his brother, this is the first time I've been back since that bear attack. <laughs> Those boys, eyes are like sausage. <laughs> but this uncle of mine, this guy, he has a cycle. He, he hates it if you call it a tricycle. He's got a cycle. He's got one tire in the front and two tires in the back. He rode his cycle from Washington State to the Statue of Liberty. Single-handedly. <laughs> and he spoke, he's an evangelist, and he spoke all along the way a message of courage and hope. This guy never wants help. He drives himself everywhere. He does every, he cooks, he, he does everything with one hand. It's pretty, pretty amazing. He, we do travel together occasionally and we do comedy things together. We've spoken at the same events. And one time he had some bookings in the New Jersey area, Connecticut area, and he can't rent a car. He can drive his own. His own are all hooked up for him. He can't rent a car. So he asked me if I was free, if I could come with him and kind of chauffeur him around. I said, sure. So we get on the plane. And by the way, I love flying with them because leg room. And then uh, I always try to sit on his left side so I get both armrests. But we're on the plane and we land in Jersey. And we, we land in Jersey and we go to get off the plane. Now, all I have, we have check baggage, but all I have is my laptop. And then he brought this duffel bag that's bigger than him. It's like an old military duffel bag. It's huge. So I get these out, you know, I get my lap. And we're walking out, and we get out of the plane, and we're in the airport. And he goes, okay, give me my, uh, my bag. So I'm not giving you your bag. He says, no, I want to take my, give me my. I said, do you need something out of me? He goes, no, I'll carry my bag. I said, Bob. That's his name, by the way. And he, he does like to swim. Look at that. I know. Does he swim? He does. He goes in circles, but he loves it. I said, Bob, I will carry your bag. I'm, no, you're not going to No, I want to carry my bag. Why? I'm here to, I want to carry my bag. Okay, he hates asking for help. So I hand him this bag. It's huge. He puts it up. Let's see. He put it, yeah, he put it up on this side, on his stump there, and he's wheeling, like he doesn't have electric. He's wheeling himself through the airport. Well... We're going along, and people are staring, but not at him. I'm getting the evil eye as we're going through, and I lean down to my uncle, and I go, uh, people are staring at me. And he goes, well, now you know how I feel. You know, and he's like, I said, no, I don't like this. So anyhow, we get down to this one terminal, and there was probably 20 people standing there waiting to board their plane. And I just looked down at my uncle, and I said, hey, just go along with whatever I do. He goes, okay. 
So we got right by these people, and I took my laptop off and go, Bob, could you carry this? My shoulder's getting sore. People are like, jerk, you know. I just, we get around the corner, and he's like, that was good. That was funny. Like, All right. Bob has a hat, and on the hat, it says, handy. Here's his message, and this is part of today's message. He puts that hat on, and he says, that is the only handicap I have. And he says, the only handicap you have is the one you put on yourself. Here is a man that in our eyes is very limited. No legs, no left arm. He is so full of joy, and he is so happy about life, and he refuses to refer to himself as handicapped. He has told me, Brett, I am, see, he didn't get saved. He didn't come to know Jesus until after his accident. And he has said to me, I am more whole now than I ever was with all my limbs. It's a mindset. It's faith. You see, it's interesting because we can look at this and we can go, well, how, how does God turn a weakness into strength? Well, God turns a weakness into strength. First of all, it's God who does it. You can work on your weaknesses. And I, really, I, some people are like, oh, I'm no good at singing or I'm no good at this. You know what? Maybe you should get lessons or maybe you should try something. Or may, I, don't, don't just put yourself down and go, oh, I'm not good at something. Maybe work it. But the honest truth is, is God is the one who turns your weaknesses into strengths. But it starts with a perspective. And the perspective is, am I seeing myself through my eyes in, in my weaknesses only? Or am I seeing myself the way God sees me and how God sees my weakness? Because maybe to God, my weakness is actually a strength that's just hidden in God. And we all have weaknesses. And he's not saying pretend you don't have weaknesses. It's not that. It's not like this, well, I'm just going to act like I don't have weaknesses. No, we all have weaknesses. We have limitations. It's not saying you don't. It's saying I do, but I acknowledge that God is greater than my weakness. Second Corinthians chapter 12, if you turn there with me, Second Corinthians chapter 12, it, uh, it's a great story where the apostle Paul is speaking about a thorn in his side, he calls it, that God has given him. Let's look at uh, verse 7, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. It says this, To keep me from becoming conceited, because of all these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. 
Do you know that sometimes God allows us to go through a difficult time simply to keep us from becoming conceited? Do you understand the importance of humility within your life? God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. And sometimes he'll allow you to go through a difficult time to protect you. It's not against you, it's actually protecting you. Because he's protecting you from a mindset that you are, you have this pride and you have conceit and you can do all these things. He wants you to understand that God is your strength. He also allows us to go through these times because he wants you to understand something. His grace really is sufficient for you. You might sit here and go, well, I can't do this or I can't. Listen, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Okay. I think it's important when we look at two aspects of how weaknesses are turned into strength. The first is perspective. Paul saw the big picture, and the big picture was this, that even though I am very weak in this area, maybe you're weak in your flesh, maybe you're, maybe you're, you're weak in finances, maybe you're weak in abilities, whatever the case is, Paul's looking at the big picture and saying, but God's grace is sufficient for me. And so I, he, he says, I'm not going to shy away from my weakness, but I'm going to boast all the more gladly in my weakness because it's in my weakness that God's power and strength is made complete. Do you understand that this whole message today started in Hebrews 11? Hebrews 11, I'll remind you again, is the faith chapter. It takes perspective, but it takes faith. It takes faith to understand that God can turn your weakness into a strength. It takes perspective of your circumstances, perspective of who you are, and faith to know that God can even use my weaknesses. You know, I'm a terrible singer. And it's so funny because when I was pastoring at, a, at the church I grew up in, it's called Church by the Side of the Road, it's in Seattle, I was sing, I was on staff. I was, I was in the crowd and I was worshiping. I was singing one day and this gentleman, this older gentleman turns around in the middle of the song and he says to me, Brett, your mom said you couldn't sing. And I'm like, well, thanks mom. And he says, she was right. And he turned back around. <laughs> That'll just make you kind of go, wee. Okay? I'm not a good singer. But when I pastored a church, I pastored a church for 12 years. When I was pastoring that church, we built a new facility. We needed a kitchen. We didn't have the money for the kitchen. We were shy $10,000 for that kitchen. It was December. It was Christmas time. I had this idea come to my mind. I went and I got my music minister and another staff person. I didn't even tell them what we're doing. Come meet me in the sanctuary. I said, hook up all the recording stuff. We're going to make a Christmas CD. What do you mean? You're going to play, I'm going to sing, and you're going to record it. And they're like, what? Just do this. And I said, we're only going to go through each song one time. <laughs> we got to do this. We got to get these pumped out for this Sunday. I said, we have to do this. There's no editing. We're just, they're like, okay. So he started playing, and I'm like, away in a manger. I mean, it's, it is the, in fact, I was going to, I had one to bring, and I left it at home. But it is the worst album you've ever heard in your life. That Sunday, that Sunday, we put them out in the foyer. We said, look, we're raising money for the kitchen. 
you can pay, you can't just take one, you can pay as little as a penny or whatever you want, just we, we're trying to raise this money. We raised almost all of $10,000 that morning. One person gave a check for $2,000 and wrote a note with it that said, this is in the hopes that Pastor Brett never feels the need to sing again. I got complaints. Listen, $2,000 a CD. I'm, look, I don't think Taylor Swift has even sold an album for $2,000. I'm not I'm bragging, but I'm just saying. I don't have a strength in singing, but this idea came to my mind, and people, well, some people didn't like it. My dad didn't like it. I called my parents and said, well, what do you think of the CD? My mom goes, well, your dad made me turn it off after the second song. You're getting the idea of me and my dad aren't close. We're very close. He's just very honest with me. That was a weakness. But I gave God my weakness. I said, God, here's what I feel are my strengths. I give you my strengths. Use my strengths for your glory. But I'm also full of weaknesses. And you know what? When I gave my life to Jesus, it meant my life. My strengths and my weaknesses, it's yours. Now you use them however you want. And we raised all the money for that kitchen in one Sunday because I'm a terrible singer. But I was willing to say I'm a terrible singer. Here, have a CD, and it raised the money. And isn't this what the Christmas message is? Isn't this the Christmas message? We were weak, so Jesus came to be our strength. But listen to this real carefully. Jesus came as a baby. He came in weakness to relate to those who were weak. You can't get weaker than the baby. He's dependent on everybody. And then Jesus died on a cross in weakness. And he rose in power. And the Christmas message is this. You have weakness. Your greatest weakness is you can't save yourself. Your greatest weakness is you cannot fix the damage that sin has done to your life, only God can. And God came in the weakness of man so that you could experience his power because his power is made perfect in our weakness. And so this Christmas season, please don't think of it as just a cute little baby in a manger. That baby came in weakness, but was the source of all the power that you need. There are so many people that realize their weakness when they're lying on their deathbed. And they know this is the end, and they realize there really is nothing I can do to save myself. And I want you to know that God knows that. And God loves you so much that he came to deal with your weakness by coming in weakness to fill you with his power. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Well, you know, your wife is very happy. I just have to tell you that. <laughs> Jay, oh man, you're a good guy. Truly, this could be the greatest Christmas that you've ever had. This next year could be the greatest year you've ever had if you would give your greatest weakness to God today. 
to say, God, I am, I am weak, I'm broken. In fact, the Bible says you're more than weak when it comes to spiritual matters. It says that if you are not in Christ, you are dead. You're walking dead. But God has life for you. Jesus said the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. He wants you to have life abundantly, and part of that is recognizing your weaknesses and giving them to God and believing that as he uses your strengths, he can also turn your weaknesses into strengths. But we must have his perspective and put faith in him. It all starts by putting faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I just want to encourage you this morning to do that. And if you make that decision today, if you say, you know what, today is the day. This, this Christmas is going to be different than any other. I'm making a decision this morning to follow Christ. I want to be able to pray with you. I want to be able to encourage you. I want to be able to connect you here in this church. This is such a great church. This is such a great church. Everyone in this room has weaknesses, and everyone in this room that is standing in Christ, has the power of God in them. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to close in prayer, but I'm going to ask, is there anyone here today that you just say, you know what, I know he's knocking on my heart. I know, I know I just need to turn my life over to him. I don't even know maybe what all that means. I just know it's time. I'm at a crossroad. Is there anyone in, that room, in this room like this you'd say, that's me? That's me this morning. I'm just at a crossroads. I just, I'm asking you, Brett, to just pray with me because I know a change needs to happen and it's going to start by giving my weaknesses to him. Is there anyone here today you'd say, that's me this morning? Now then let me encourage you in this. As you go today, know that in your weakness, his power is being made perfect and you can trust him in that. You can trust him with every day. You can trust him with your eternity. Turn your eyes and your faith on him. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this day. I thank you. You're so good. Thank you, Lord, for turning our weakness into strength. God, I give you my whole self. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that, boy, they really wanted to raise their hand, but they do. They want to give you their whole self. Lord, today, just meet them right where they're at. Wherever they're standing, just meet them right there. If they're at home watching online, meet them right there. Let them encounter the living God, the living God whose power is made perfect in our weakness. And Lord, may their life be changed forever. May they understand the joy of being in you. May they understand the gift within the gift that God, that there is peace, joy, holiness that's offered to them today. Bless your people. Bless your church. Turn our weakness into strength, O God, I pray. To your glory I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.